Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now everybody, welcome to episode 373 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Sitting over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. You put some spec on that name, my favorite line from Space Jam, which we'll be talking about this week along with Suicide Squad, Voyagers, The Last Mercenary, Jolt, Tomorrow War, and Masters of the Universe. That's the reboot from Kevin Smith that's causing quite a stir on the internet forums. We'll talk about all of this, but first, a little bit of trivia. It's been a while, and uh, I know you've been keeping up on your Bruce Willis viewing habits, right? Bruno's been big in your household? I would assume so. Sure. Are you talking about the the crappy sci-fi movies I've been watching with, with the one, the one that he really sure. he releases then one yes. every other week now at this point. Yes. Then yes, and and action movies too. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Everything that he's in for about five seconds. Yeah. The action movies that he's in now, he's actually doing none of the actual action. He just sits around with the sardonic look on his face that they cut to every third mm-hmm. shot. Um, but regardless, which one of these co-stars did not? appear in a movie with Bruce Willis. Did not. Okay? Number one, Cole Hauser. The infamous Cole Hauser. Is that too too obscure of a reference? Huh? Cole Hauser. Do you remember who Cole Hauser is? Yeah, I know who Cole Hauser is. I like Cole Hauser. All right. All right. You like Cole Hauser? Yeah. Yeah, so do I. He should (laughs) have had a bigger career. I don't know where he's been. Has he been in stuff lately? Yeah, some stuff, but... I haven't not, seen not a lot. So, which one of these people have not been in a movie with Bruce Willis? Cole Hauser, Michael Chiklis, and Lawrence Fishburne. Who hasn't been in a movie with Bruce Willis? Hmm, that's hard. I don't even. I can't even remember half the. Um, well, in that case, um, I, I guess Fishburne. You guessed correctly. You guessed correctly. Okay. They have not crossed paths on the big screen. I was trying to think, and I couldn't come up with anything. So, Yeah, you did mm. a good job there. Uh, Chicklis was in a, a recent direct-to-video movie, and uh, Hauser was in a recent direct-to-video movie. Although it's hard to say that they're in the same movie as Willis, because I don't even think these things are shot in the same room on the same day. I think that he's literally edited into these movies half the time, um, and these actors are speaking to stand-ins. Mm-hmm. Poor bastards. Well, you know, what, what do you want to do? I don't know. I was a big fan of uh, um, Paparazzi. Oh, like yes. That movie? I did like it's that a movie. movie I don't think about too often, but you're going to bring up Cole Hauser. With that. Oh, and The Cave was very good, too. Yeah, Cole Hauser has a quiet intensity uh, that always freaked um, me out. I mean, going back to Days and mm-hmm. Confused Days, uh, he had a, a certain intensity on screen. And I know that he was a big friend of Matthew McConaughey and uh, Rory Cochran, all three of who starred in Days and Confused. I don't know anymore, necessarily. I haven't seen him in a while, but back then in the early 2000s, you know, late 90s, whatever, he would have made a good T-1000. He would have been, actually. And I think the the summer that Terminator 3 released was the summer that he played the villain in Too Fast, Too Furious. So if you're having a hard time placing who Cole Hauser is. Mm-hmm. He was the, the bad guy in the second and was, Fast and Furious movie. He was in Lake Lakeview Terrace, was that him? Uh no, you're now you're mixing him up with uh Oh who? goodness, the guy from Watchmen. 
Who the hell? The guy from Birdman Watchmen? Well, from that Watchmen. does not help me at all. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Patrick. Oh. Or- Patrick. Uh, um, right. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Not wow. Warburton, well, he really but, uh, looks like Cole Hauser in Lakeview Terrace, I think. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, it's it's not the same character. The same guy. I can't think of his name right now. Excuse me. Um, right. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Thank you, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Warburton is yeah, the dumb right. guy. Yeah, he's not dumb. Well, he plays he a dumb guy. He just plays dumb. Yeah, that's true. He's like Rob Riggle. He's great. Pa- Patrick Warburton's great. Always was. He made the best tick, right? I mean, um, the, the original tick was the best tick. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he show. had the the voice and everything for it. It's pretty good. I'm the tick. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind okay. of... Uh, I mean, that <laughs> oh, really It was better than the remake. Oh, they did remake that. I forgot. Was that a Netflix show? No, it was an Amazon. Amazon one. Yeah, that remake was not good. It wasn't is it was very anticipated and it wasn't uh, it didn't deliver at all is what I'd say not for me anyways but especially after I mean after you had Patrick Warburton playing the tick and if for anyone who hasn't seen that show uh, that older version of it uh, check that out because um, I don't know watching the introduction of the tick in the the new one is just put to shame by just the old one where he just shows up he's like I'm the tick and bugs the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a, you know, absent-minded in some way. Uh, and he played to perfection by Warburton there, uh, but yeah, Cole Hauser didn't have the big screen career that I thought he was going to have. But Paparazzi or Paparazzi, 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 regardless, paparazzi. those annoying little fuckers. That movie didn't and then get the, the cave. The cave was good. I liked the cave. Oh yeah, um, the, uh, the cave has a great score. Does it now? Is that Marco Beltrami? I believe it is. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a bad one. Underrated movie, actually, for what it is. Um, let's talk about movie movies now. We got a lot of things to go through. It's been a while since we talked. It's good to talk to you, and we both have seen a lot of things. I think the top of the hour, the thing on most people's lips right now is the Suicide Squad. It was uh, opened up to disappointing twenty six million dollars at the box office. They're blaming the Delta variant. They're de- they're blaming HBO Max having the availability mm-hmm. there. I'm blaming the fact that this movie is fairly uh, esoteric in that it's it's meant mediocre. To, it, well, let me let me start by saying this: I didn't hate this movie. I know that Neither you're not I. the biggest fan of it, but I did, I didn't love Ayer's Suicide Squad, so I didn't go into this thinking, "Well, what's this going to be?" I'll say this: I loved the first act. I really enjoyed the first act of this movie, and I thought, "Okay, they might have something here." Because they had a B-movie exuberance to it. There's kind of a, a Sam Raimi type uh, kind of mischievousness to this movie. But mm. I did get pretty... I got kind of bored with its outlandishness. Well, it, it, I, and how many you, penis shots did I need? There's at least three dicks in this movie. <laughs> let me ask you a, a couple things about this movie. I mean, this, this movie's mediocre as, as all hell. And that's my problem with it. Is that it's, not, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's just It just exists. And... That's not something that with what they had available here, and especially for James Gunn, I feel like this is a kind of a big misfire. But um, what's at stake in this movie, and what's the plot? It really, uh, this movie exists only to exist and only to serve itself. It's really just not a. It's not a good movie. It's episodic. I'll say that there is no. It's episodic. Who's the main character? But I mean, the Harley Quinn stuff's ridiculous and point. A lot of this movie is just pointless, right? It just has no point. And the the starfish thing at the end, 
Um, who's under threat here? Who's what's the what are the stakes? It doesn't there doesn't appear to really be much of anything. They don't even get to the bad guy until well into the third act, right? That's and true. Other than yeah. that, it's just these guys just wandering around doing stuff, right? But, I mean, Harley Quinn gets separated from the group, and that whole falling in love sequence and all that stuff with the president is just it's a waste of time, pointless. I, I mean, so she's completely underused, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I know I'm not things. wrong that this movie is not good. <laughs> I don't care it, what people say. I'm not. I'm not going to. I can't say that it's good, but I was entertained at times. And let me tell you some of the things I that I, I laughed did like out loud about a couple it. times. Yeah, I liked that it was set in the Corto Maltese, which is the fictional country referenced in Tim Burton's uh, 1989 Batman, where Vicky Vale did her wartime photography. I love that little in joke for the DC people. <clears throat> I really liked the beginning when Michael Rooker killed that bird with the rubber ball. I thought, okay. We have something here. This is going to go somewhere. And I really thought it was cool when the polka dot man was vomiting up those neon colors. I thought that moment when uh, Idris Elba's character wakes up and sees him deformed and having to vomit that, mm-hmm. that up and purge was this kind of offbeat, strange. And I wish the movie had more moments like that. That, that were almost, uh, it was kind of filled me with a little bit of wonder. And it just, it, the rest of the movie didn't live up to those moments. But I did love one sequence, and that's when Deadshot or I think it was by Bloodsport in this movie, which is confusing. And well, Peacemaker. It's a different character. Uh, it's not is it a different character? Okay, I yes. thought it was. Okay, good. I'm glad. Thank you for clearing that up. Because I wasn't sure if this is a fucking sequel, a prequel, a redo, who's what. But thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I know. I did like the moment when uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker are dueling with each other. And they're talking shit. And John Cena delivers the line when <laughs> the guy tells him, don't show off. And nobody likes to show off. And he says, unless what you're showing off is dope as fuck. I thought yeah. I loved that delivery and that little moment. But once again, this is the kind of stuff that Joss Whedon was doing on Buffy 20 years ago, 25 years oh, ago. It's way better than this, though. But I mean, it's the but, same but, kind but of inconsequential. Very, but James, that's, that's James Gunn as well. So I'm not going to just, I don't know. My, my problem with this is that I didn't get into any of the characters um, in this. I didn't care about anyone really. Um, I never felt like anyone was in any true danger, even though they, they killed people off. I felt like, eh, who cares? Kill them. I don't care about any of these people. So I don't know. It, it just didn't work for me. I don't, uh, I think I don't I was feel 13. a draw to revisit this world. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, what, the like Star Wars prequels type argument here? I just here, think if I was I mean, I don't know, that I would have enjoyed this more. That, but that isn't that always the case? If only if I was, if only I was a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I don't think that's a valid argument. Like it's a, it's just not a very well written movie. Um, or, I thought, or that thought out. It feels like it's executed just to exist as as a cash in, um, and I think people notice that. Even though they're they're rating it high and saying it's it's pretty good and all that, I think that's just uh, you know walking out. They got they, they saw a movie. They didn't hate it. They're like, yeah, it's good. And that then that's it. You know, I, I don't believe that that's truly a vote of confidence in this moving forward. I think that the King Shark has the potential to take over Baby Yoda as the next big thing in the children's yeah, toys. Yeah, definitely not. But if no, he has a baby, happening. and then it's Baby Shark. I mean, that's already a thing, but hey. Baby King Shark? King uh-huh. Baby Shark. Uh, I did, like I said, I like the B-movie vibe of this, um, but I did find it overall very but dark compared, and nihilistic as well. And that, that kind of got to me after a while. I, to- I wasn't having as much fun as the people on screen were. I don't think people on screen were having fun um, compared to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, you can see where the, the character thing fails here, but but works there. 
and as well yeah. as the world building works there and doesn't work here well you have no one to get behind there's no central character that's likable at all and i know that's part of the vibe here um, but it's really not uh there's no but that doesn't interest. have to be like that with bad guys you can people can be bad and you can still like them i mean that's kind of the harley quinn thing actually i mean for anyone that's the other thing is and you've seen the harley quinn uh, animated show going from that to this like that puts this to shame it's just, this isn't, to me, it's it's a misfire, but it's at least an interesting misfire that I didn't mind watching one time. I'll never revisit. I didn't think it was any better or worse than the other Suicide Squad. I just thought it was distinctively different and decidedly mm-hmm. different on purpose. And I think I prefer the aesthetic of the Ayer cut a little bit more. I think it was a, a you well, know, but, it looks but, well, more that's professional. that's not the Ayer cut, remember. Oh, that's true. Well, the, the, the studio released version of the 2016 <laughs> suicide squad there's know? a there's another air there's another cut guys you gotta I, get released i don't want to dead name the movie you know it, it's just like all you gotta like <laughs> properly do these things now exactly <laughs> let's talk about voyagers which is a small science fiction movie directed by neil berger that was released earlier in the year around april didn't make much of a dent uh it's really only marketing factor was that it had Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter, in one of the starring roles, and Colin Farrell as well. Tyler Sheridan also co-stars in this, and this is essentially a film that is a young adult novel, it feels like, that was taken to the big screen. This is a movie that I liked the look of. I liked what certain actors were doing, but it grew so so much. It just grew more and more ridiculous as it went on. And ultimately, I found it to be about hormonal aggression and suppression of sexual desire in, in all this stuff that may have seemed very compelling on paper, but as it's executed and acted, it was kind of dull. I, I didn't mind the opening of this, once again, the first act, but they didn't have anywhere to go after that that was very exciting and I thought it was kind of redundant um, and, and cheap. Did you find this to be less than? Um, they certainly don't go into the sci-fi aspects of this that you kind of wish they would as far as um, artistically, I guess, for going over those kind of subjects. Uh, they don't bother doing that. This kind of devolves into a Lord of the Flies type. Yeah, very you know, much so. Simplistic story after they set up, like, like as you say, they're re- repressing sexual desires. Well, they're doing things that are necessary for them to um, be very calm and sit around and not do much of anything but the work they need to do in order to survive so that the next generation, because they're, so they're on a spaceship, they're going towards a new planet, but they have to live... Um, uh, there has to be several generations of them it's going to take to get to the new planet. So this is the first generation. They're all test tube babies. So they don't have parents. They've all grown up to do just this one thing. And uh, and so it's kind of what you would have to mentally do to a group of people like that to get them to go through with this, you know, because their their life is going to be just on the ship. In service. Yeah, they're in yeah, service of a greater so good. To speak. They're, in, they're kind of caught in between. So that's an interesting idea. But I agree with you. This plays out more like a Netflix show than it does a movie. And um, it's a little episodic in that sense. And I actually think it would have been a better, um, probably if it was cut up into a show, <clears throat> would be better than playing it all as a movie. It's, it, it is a bit long-winded. Even at about an hour and 40 minutes, it felt long-winded. And Colin Farrell wasn't yeah. in it long enough. I thought he was the strongest presence in the movie. And to, to be honest, the villain, whoever they, you know, the, the person that they were making out to be the villainous character, 
wasn't evil enough. I just the movie was 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 lacking something. It's it just kind of laid there, but it just it didn't. <laughs> As I don't know, murderer, I didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, but once again, the stakes of of what we're doing here. So humanity's at stake, but it all comes down to this one um, raging well, really, teenager. That's the thing that I didn't understand either. Was it wasn't just humanity was at stake? Like that that went to the side. That's why I'm kind of saying they 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 set this up, then they push that to the side. It becomes a Lord of the Flies thing, where really their lives are at stake, but they don't care. They don't seem to grasp that or understand it. And they're not that young. Um, no, they're really not. Playing Lord of the Flies and stuff. So I just didn't understand it. And there's a lot of those moments in this where the bad guy is able to convince other people to go along with him. And he just like, obviously this, this guy's just lying right now. This isn't like who he really fooled. I was trying to figure out what uh, mental capacity they were at. Like, were they supposed to be children? Because some of the behavior, but they was were so very mature. smart. Yeah that, yeah. that was what was throwing me off too. So, you know, it started off as Gattaca and turned out to be Gattaca light. And so I, I was a little yeah. um, dismayed that what I had somewhat invested interest in, like I said, kept getting uh, more and more uninteresting as it as it went along. So uh, a near miss, but a miss for me. I liked the production design. I liked what some of the actors were doing, but not a very compelling story. Yeah, I appreciate the attempt, but yeah, I don't. I don't think overall. Um, if you miss this, you won't uh, be missing much. Let's talk about the last mercenary, Jean Claude Van Damme's return to the screen, although it be the little screen in the streaming service. Netflix's streaming service is a French film, The Last Mercenary. This is a film that was made in France in the native language and dubbed here for American audiences. Van Damme does do the dubbing of his mm-hmm. own voice, which helps quite a bit. Uh, there are, let me say this, uh, I found the movie to be slightly more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. It is pretty much just a retread of the Jean-Claude Van Johnson series that ran for a very short time on Amazon. Uh, it uses a lot of those kind of same elements. Mm-hmm. And this is about as predictable as these things get. There's nothing new to see here. I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think the action was very good, but it did have a kind of charm to it that I didn't mind. I can't recommend it, but you won't be offended if you watch this movie because it plays it so safe all across the board in terms of casting, in terms of writing, in terms of... I mean, there's nothing new here. You've seen this all before in different ways. Uh, the only thing that's good to see is Van Damme back on screen doing the splits and, and jump kicks. Um, sure, I mean, I think this is a dud. Yeah. Dead in the water as far as I'm concerned. It's a boring movie, really boring for what it's supposed to be. And at the, the, the Van Johnson stuff is just so much better. So good. I can't, I'm upset that we didn't get any more of that. Yeah. Instead I agree. We get, we get this, which is just, um, not great, but it's Van Damme's great. Don't get me wrong. Love him. Uh, I watched the movie cause he's in it and I finished it only because he's in it. Believe me. Um, I thought this was super boring. I didn't understand why they had the guy who was obsessed with Scarface. That led that had nothing yeah. to do with anything. It it's was goofy, so, I guess. It was it's goofy. It's, but it's not funny. That's a joke that would have been played out twenty years ago. Oh no, none of it's funny. Uh, yeah, it, it's very. It has very. Uh, well, as you say, safe. Uh, some it kind of feels like an '80s spoof movie sometimes, like that, where it's a, a joke like that, like a guy's obsessed with Scarface and pretends to be Scarface and things, which for whatever reason would be safe in the or funny in the eighties. I don't know why. If you want to see a good Van Damme, a comedy quote unquote comedy, check out welcome to the jungle. 
from about five or six years ago like where movie, he yeah. played uh, a, a survivalist to a group of corporate workers who had to do a team building exercise in the in the mm-hmm. jungle that at least has some solid laughs and the vibe is the tone is it's is more movie. correct this was all over and I, I couldn't tell if it was because of the the dubbing and the lost in translation but then i thought no because they're just doing all the the regular shit that we do here in america in terms of the, the boring stuff the car chases the the lackadaisical fight scenes, the mm-hmm. mistaken identity. This is the kind of movie where one sentence could clear up a lot of bullshit. But because nobody says that one sentence, they the plot can continue down these little corridors it goes through. So, um, that is every movie I've ever seen, though. Yeah, I know, but this especially was obvious in <laughs> this. Right, it was driving yeah. me nuts. Well, especially I hate it when movies do that, and it's 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 also boring. Like nothing suspenseful or really exciting is happening. You're like, just say the, just say it, just tell them, get, get move to the next thing, already. move on. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Space Jam, the Warner Brothers release that was out in theaters, came out to HBO Max as well simultaneously, which is everything that's happening this year with Warner Brothers. And I must say. I was really let down by this. I loved the first Space Jam. Surprising. I tried to get through this. You've seen the trailers, right, before you watch this. (laughs) I know, but I I at least had my hopes up for it. And there were moments in here that I smiled um, when when little jokes about Warner Brothers. And I thought that the hardest working person in this movie was Don Shadell. I thought he, as the algorithm, was really the highlight uh of it. I Um, I have a a story for you about Don Cheadle here. uh, But it has to do with this movie a little bit, so. I just thought here that, you know, it, this is, it's what started off as Space Jam turned into Ready Player One or Speed Racer. I mean, it has that kind of hallucinatory, that trippy look to fun. it. Not as fun. Not as fun on either of I don't know. And I kind of feel like the worlds he went through, like, as you saw, like something like The Matrix or um, DC Land. Little things. Yeah. All, just all kinds of stuff like popped up through as he's flying through it. I just, it just felt so gratuitous. <laughs> It didn't feel that way years ago when the Looney Tunes would insert themselves into Raiders of the Lost Ark or Superman or things like that. Well, if but they it did, did it, it would be fine. But when he did it, it was more like a passing thing. Like, oh, remember all these great Warner titles you can also watch. That's what I felt you like, know? too. Yeah. It was like, okay, I don't need to drive past all these billboards onto the through the movie I here. I thought you know? the exact same thing. I'm glad we're on the same. It felt like this was an advertisement for the Warner Brothers studio tour for their their library titles for things that are coming out remember the matrix because there's a new one coming out this Mm -hmm. year you know it's like all this kind of stuff and it really for all the the high-tech shit that was on screen it felt cheap the whole story Mm -hmm. i mean the first five minutes you know with the video game and the kid that doesn't want to be a basketball player excuse me and lebron is not a good actor by any means i mean michael jordan I thought was a lot more comfortable on screen than LeBron. I remembered him being okay in Trainwreck, but apparently he's lost that that charm on screen because he came off. He didn't come off well in this movie. I didn't think at all. Did you? I mean, it's particularly the opening scene. He's kind of well. First of all, do we still have to do this whole Disney thing? Be yourself. Like, is that really? Do we? Do we is that still necessary to build an entire movie like this around that? Where there were he's he's learned. And by the way. He, he he was told by someone to do it this way and then he's telling someone to do it that way too but it worked for him but but now when he does it to someone else he's supposed to learn the lesson of not to push that on someone else nice but it was pushed point. on him right i don't understand we quit doing this like everyone's special everyone's a snowflake and and they all have their own way of doing things we need to, that's unnecessary to do that you know he can be a dad and want him the kid to do like he did 
and then uh, you know it, it doesn't have to be like some ex- super uh, dumb stuff. I don't know. It's just such a kids movie thing at this point. I'm tired of that. Build build the movie around something else. I mean, he's literally going to uh, be playing basketball to save the world here. Is that not enough? Well, didn't you miss that they so much of it was in CG and not actual hand drawn animation? This is clearly leagues away from where we were uh, with Space some degree, Jam. But- by the time they did that, I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> I just, I, I, yeah, well, the, it takes way too long to get this thing going. This is an hour and 55 minutes, which is almost a half an hour longer I than just, the Michael I, Jordan I never version. knew that, uh, you know, that LeBron James was married to Michael from Star Trek Discovery. I had no idea. <laughs> That's the thing that gets me. Because, well, this movie's real, right? He plays LeBron James. That's yeah, those his are his real wife, kids, right? too, right? And those are his kids, yeah. Great actors. Right? Great actors. Yeah, this is a, a obviously a negative vote for me. I'm not the intended <laughs> audience, neither are you. But I was just uh, I thought this would be more than it, it turned out to be because I thought the trailer was somewhat amusing. Choking uh, up over here. I thought, yeah, because uh, space LeBron, you talk shit about LeBron, he put the fucking hex on you. I guess so. He might have. I don't know. I did watch uh, the night before I watched this for whatever reason. Hotel for Dogs was turned on, which I never saw, um, and I actually liked it. I've never but, seen uh, it either. It's a Don Cheadle. He's in Don Cheadle's in this movie. Wow! But I was surprised how much I liked it. It was like a kids' movie that was really about kids uh, going through something. Going, you know, instead of like what kids trying to teach kids how to be and stuff. It was just the kids kind of going through something. like how movies used to be. It kind of reminded me of like that never-ending story kind of a vibe to it. Even though it's wait, was that Hotel the movie where the dogs were stuck at the airport? No, they're not in the airport. They're, the kids are, uh, it's whatever, the Roberts girl, Emma Roberts, and some other kid. And they're uh, brother and sister, but they're in the system, and they uh, don't like it. You know, they don't like their foster parents and stuff. And, um, they try to, uh, they have this dog that they can't take with them anywhere because the, the foster parents don't want it. And so they wind up finding this old hotel that's broken down. And they turn it into like a doggy daycare center thing. Um, I think they fucked up by not calling it doggy daycare. It's not a doggy daycare. They just bring all the mutts and dogs and stuff there. And then they live there and they take care of them. They, uh, the lesson that I learned from this is that you can, if you find an old hotel like that and you want to take care of a bunch of dogs, it doesn't cost any money to feed them. Um, they drove around a big truck the whole time, so they didn't pay for it. They got free gas. And then at the <laughs> end of the movie, oh, the city decided that they would spend money to revamp the hotel, and it would be a hotel for dogs. Oh, how wonderful. That's the lesson I learned. It's free money. Well, this is a movie that you're recommending right now on the show. I would, actually. If you're looking for a family-friendly movie, I ne- and then never seen it. Um, and it wasn't as dumb as I thought it was going to be. I was going to say, like, the vibe is a little more my kinds of, of a kid's movie. If I was a kid, I would have liked um, this way more than Space Jam. I did not. I don't understand the appeal of ma- remaking Space Jam in this way. Bro, you know what I watched the other night? Talk about dog cinema. Since you, uh, you don't oh, even know shit. about yours. Let me tell you about Canine. mine. Canine. No, no, no. Beethoven. It's on Netflix. It had been so long since I saw that movie. The first one, of course, the only good one. Um, the, <laughs> it had been so long since I had saw that movie that I recalled every single fucking scene, though. 
it was scary. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, this is the guy who becomes the That's doctor weird, who right? acts like the dog bite bit him, and this is either this, that, and the other. And the movie is not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's so watchable. But it's made during a certain time period that you enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, in that hour and 20 minutes flew by, and I was like, yeah. you know what? That wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. It's interesting I mean, it, how those older movies kind of take the um, the, the, the same ploy and, the, and, and things that they'll use in, in today's movies, but it seems like they do it better back then. I don't know. I think they hit it. They hit the medicine in the candy a little bit better back then. Yeah. Um, now it's it, they wear it on their sleeve. It's You can see what the themes are from the very first scene and it's obnoxious all right let's talk about the tomorrow war which was the big july 4th release from amazon pictures this might be my favorite movie released to a direct dvd service or direct to streaming service it was spencer confidential from netflix last year i oh, think tomorrow war, this it was is even better i thought that this to me exemplified the summer blockbuster, the July 4th weekend summer blockbuster, the the alien takeover, the big, exuberant, funny, um, just over-the-top spectacle. And as a movie that ran 220 in terms of time, I didn't really, my attention didn't flag all that much. It's obviously designed for a sequel. I think Chris Pratt is one of our best leading men right now. I thought he was great in this role. I really like J.K. Simmons as well. Um, and I really liked mm-hmm. the comedic relief by the African-American actor, the heavyset guy, I can't remember his name, who was in the movie Gringo and uh, Office Christmas Party. He's really good in this. I, I just thought all the elements came together in this in a way that I really enjoy for summer blockbuster popcorn entertainment. I, I highly recommend it tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And uh, it's well-written to boot, so uh, take that. You know, I like the, the twists and the turns and the plot. is uh, You think it's going to be simple? Um, and then it kind of turns the whole the whole time thing actually plays well into the plot, I thought, and makes things a little more interesting. And I don't want to give anything away, but I do like the way that they kind of hold back on showing you the monsters, um, mm-hmm. kind of builds up suspense in that regard. And this movie does a good job of that, actually. It takes a long time before they even really get into the fight for the future. Um, but... Uh, it is a little weird. It has it's it's a strange movie. I'll just put that. I, I think time travel makes a lot of things strange, but it's definitely something um, that I would have seen Tom Cruise in. Oh yeah. So I sure. think that that's a, a pretty uh, or Brad Pitt or one praise, of the big I would say or Brad Pitt. Yeah. So so it's definitely a as you said like a a Fourth of July movie, and it really was uh, to feel like that. So yeah, I kind of I can't wait to uh, actually see more of this. I think I think it's interesting. Uh, uh, movie and it kind of makes me wish that they had made more of more sequels to a lot of other movies right away in, in, in a big blockbuster format. Like this is, I feel like this is going to get that treatment because it's, you know, it's linked to the one content provider, it's linked to Amazon. So they're going to put more money into making sequels for this. Um, whereas you didn't, you don't really get that through theatricals play so well, much. Not that quickly either. I mean, they can they get this into well, production immediately. Quickly, yeah. Um, and, I was thinking and like think Starship Troopers or, you know, lots of things. That, Day. Yeah, that didn't get sequels uh, right away that you kind of wish it would have been great to have a sequel the next year. If well, not even Men in Black. Years later. I would have said Men in yeah. Black would be the same way. I mean, five years between sequels from the first to the second would can kill a franchise. But uh, I did think that because I just wonder if this was in the theaters, how well this would have done. 
in normal times because this to me like I, I said, this typifies well. the the big blockbuster, the summertime entertainment. The you know get get some air conditioning and, and turn off mm-hmm. your mind for a couple hours and and watch some. And I think I said Chris Pratt can deliver a line. Maybe he can deliver the best one liner since Schwarzenegger. He has a way with delivering one lines that is just it's fucking great. He kills one liners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> big big fan of Pratt. Big fan of this movie. Yeah, I hope I'm, that they do another one very soon. Um, I hope they don't just dry this whole concept out too quickly. But having said that, this first one is a lot of fun. What is funny, I mean, I'll throw this out for you right here. It, comedians, uh, back in the day, when, when action comedy first started, you had comedians, uh, or comedic actors at least, getting into action movies, and they didn't beef up. But now... I mean, now you got Pratt, Pratt, you got Ryan Reynolds, you got a lot of comedic actors who beef up for the action roles. So it's yeah, kind of, right. I didn't think about it, that. It, it kind of works even better nowadays than it than it has ever before. Yeah, because you can; these guys are believable in doing the action part, but they can still do the, the comedic. But they can still chops. deliver the yeah the comedy. And that's Ryan Reynolds has built a career on that, like you said. Um, but hi, highly recommend Tomorrow War. I'm glad that we're on the same page on this. I think it's the the best movie on today's show. All right, let's talk about another Amazon Prime release, and that's the Kate Beckinsale action flick, Jolt. I don't know if you've seen this one recently, but it's on your Prime video feed, I'm sure, because they're <laughs> trying to push this shit. And uh, this is a... Are they? A, this is decidedly a B-movie. I mean, the, I feel mm-hmm. kind of goofy saying this, but I sure. kind of enjoyed this movie. This is the, Yeah, I liked it a lot. I hope they make sequels. This is no different than, um, it's very similar to Statham's Crank in a lot of ways from 2006. It's way toned and down, though. You can that. see, though, uh, actually, it's funnier than that. It's not as uh, as manic as that film. This is right. a little bit more measured. And um, I I dig Beckinsale as an action heroine. I really do. Out of all the, the big ones with Joe Vich and Jolie and, and Johansson, all the J's, I actually like... <laughs> Uh, Beckinsale the best. I, I find her very credible, even though she's so diminutive in size. I, I just think that she can handle these roles exceedingly well. But you haven't seen what? the Underworld movies. I, you know, I just, I've tried. I fall asleep in the first one over. The first one's a fucking sleeping pill. If I can't go to bed, I'll put on that first. I've seen that train sequence 20 times. I'll get to it. I swear I'll get to it. <laughs> It's just, it's sad. <clears throat> it's Beckinsale in her prime. Yeah, I'm just I like saving it for a good day. This movie's, uh, you know, Beckinsale plays a, um, a girl who has impulse control issues. She's is very angry. She's red and just beats the living crap out of everybody. Um, and it's a ridiculous movie. Um, and, and, you know, to give you an example, she has this impulse control. No one can control it. So the army wants to t- take a shot at it, but they don't attempt to control it. They just have her like fight someone and then she beats the hell out of everybody and then they're like okay you can't be in the army anymore uh a lot of the movie makes no sense like that makes zero sense um but it's still fun uh movie i I thought so uh some of the stanley tucci scenes were pretty funny with her and the barbie carnival Um, scenes interesting enough yeah and it has a it has twists and things she it almost becomes like a, a private eye type movie for a while she's trying to figure out um what's going on and i don't want to give anything away because it actually has a pretty good twist. Um, mm-hmm. I did call, though, I will say. <laughs> I did not. I did Didn't not call. Me. I was not paying that closely attention, apparently. I thought, well, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a little obvious because you kind of, 
I don't know. It's 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 a tiny bit obvious, but um, yeah, interesting movie. I thought it was actually well written and uh, as you say, well acted and uh, fun. So yeah, I want more. I like Jai Courtney as the more. the boyfriend, the shy boyfriend as well. Did you recognize him as that? Yeah, he worked. Uh, he worked. Um, yeah, and you know, obviously we we could talk more about that, but I don't want to give. Right, but when you see Jack Courtney in the role, you'll you'll realize, oh, that's kind of a small role for an actor of that size, and then you realize why. But I thought that the whole concept here that she's a, but he a bouncer, a good job. which is absolutely outrageous. You know, she's such a, a badass. Yeah. That she has this electrodes connected to her spinal cord and her yeah. She has her to head shock she herself can, in order to calm herself down, right? That, which that's doesn't the seem idea, like that would calm you. Doesn't make that would a lot of sense. But yeah, but apparently Stanley Tucci is is her guy who builds the stuff and i didn't really understand what is if he's like the psychiatrist guy i guess Stanley tucci is. can almost make any movie better by his presence oh yeah just he, he, stanley tucci is one of those uh i won't even i won't say he's a character actor but he almost is but he he's one of those actors that can give a look just one look and you're like oh yeah i know i, I know what he's going for i know what's going on he's very much a mandy patinkin but i actually prefer tucci <laughs> over the other guy you know um, but they have kind of like this, uh, the same build to me and the same, uh, well, I think, know, like, like oh, the same build is uh, I think Tucci's much smaller than Patinkin. Isn't he? Is that right? Oh, well, well Mandy there. Uh, well, uh, Mandy, ripped. I think is a big guy. That's bigger Back in the than... day, Tucci was ripped. What did I just, oh shit. You know what? He was just in the other day. He was in Beethoven. He's one of the guys <laughs> trying to steal Beethoven. It's him and Oliver Platt. If you go back and rewatch oh. Beethoven, you're like, whoever the yeah, casting Oliver director Platt. was here, uh, is, is fantastic. Uh, yeah, the Tooch. Well, lucky it wasn't the Wet Bandits. Oh fuck, Marv! Come on, Marv. Let me do, let me do it one last time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually recommend Jolt. I can't. I mean, I, I barely recommend it, but I do recommend Jolt. I recommend it. Fuck it, watch it. There you go. It's free now. <laughs> it's better than Space Ma- Jam. <laughs> it is better than Space Jam. Uh, on to Masters of the Universe, the Netflix animated cartoon that was definitely aimed at our generation people that grew up in the 1980s with the masters of the universe he-man toys and cartoons this is probably my favorite toy line slash cartoon series of all time growing up i was a massive he-man fan growing up as a kid even like the dolph lundgren movie that goofy fucking movie but were you a tila tequila fan I was I did I liked Tila Tequila quite a bit actually back <laughs> there <laughs> in 2005. But that's a whole different show. Um, Tila, um, you know, Man at Arms' daughter, was never my favorite character. But in this show, this five episode, 25 minutes, she is piece, now two hours and five minutes. She dominates the entire thing, and that was the big online furor, right? That she was uh, he man was sidelined, and that she had taken over, right? It didn't, but I thought the first episode, the pilot is very tightly written and I really enjoyed it. And I did like seeing some of the characters and what they were doing because it had this Lord of the Rings vibe where mm-hmm. Tila has to go and gather all these people to, to get He-Man back from basically heaven or hell. And I did like seeing Cyclops running the cult and, and Merman doing this thing on a boat and all these kind of little touches. But people were right. There is no He-Man in this. This 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 story. Three little. episodes in, I started getting real for itchy. How and for how smart this was intended to be, it's really kind of dumb. Like the whole the whole He-Man in Heaven thing, and they go, they're like He-Man. If you leave, you can never come back. And it's like, 
dude, you realize there's like all these fucking people that just showed up that weren't even meant to be here. He could probably come fucking back in five seconds. How'd they fucking get there? Like, this is clearly just a story, as most He-Man stuff is, that's just written to, to roll out to have some shit that happens, right? So that's why I almost liked, as you say, the first episode, and even to some extent that last episode as well. But that was really cool. It was interesting uh, to see a little bit of some different things. And it was, seemed like it was a little smarter to have it be laid out. But then by the time you get to some of the end things, like Skeletor having hidden in the... Um, in her uh, whatever globe thing, I don't know yeah, the hell it was. Yeah. It's just so stupid. It's like this is so ri- ridiculous. And Mark Hamill is he? It, it, did anyone tell him this was Skeletor, not the Joker? I, he can only do one type voice. That's, that's what he's known for now. I mean, I don't know. There was a lot. I thought like the animation, the style animation is is really good. Gorgeous, um, it's gorgeous. I thought Sarah Michelle Gellar is horrible as Great. Tila. Really? I thought she was I thought great it was terrible. Tila. I thought her voice yeah. didn't work at all. I thought she was um, fine. I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I think there's too much not to like about this. Um, well, it just it gets redundant. A plus. It as gets well. real redundant to me. <sighs> It's just not, it's also not what I would have wanted to see. I would have wanted to see him. I mean, there's no reason this story couldn't be He-Man's story. Um, and Tila couldn't be in it. And all these people couldn't be uh, doing what they're doing. But there's literally a moment in this where they like kind of retcon these, these secondary characters into being more badass than the main characters. They have this whole conversation and they just kind of flippantly, they're like, Oh yeah, don't worry. Like He-Man and like Skeletor, (laughs) like the battles they have are basically like stage plays and shit. They're like, man of arms is the badass. He's the one you got to look out for. They're like, yeah. And and that same conversation is basically about how women are better than men. And it's like, why is that in here? Well, you know that it's the horrible. whole you saw the Lord of the Rings vibe when they go to get Man at Arms. He's got the Vigo Mortensen role and then there, he just where he's leaves. He just jets off. It's like, well, why? What all? What's the buildup for? He didn't even do shit. I, I loved the animation style. Mm. I liked the idea of where they were going initially, but I think you're right. Then there's no reason that this couldn't have been He Man on a quest to go do something, as yeah. opposed to him being. There's just too much to complain about. I feel like the, the whole time yeah. I'm watching, I'm just thinking, God, why did you do this? And that, and then it leads back to the whole, um, and not that I'm too into this, I really don't care, Smash the Universe thing, I don't have to watch this, you know, this doesn't actually hurt me in any way whatsoever, but um, the whole Kevin Smith thing, when you look into that, not even looking into that, I just saw it happen, right, he basically lied about all this, right, um, to, our, to everyone's face, they dug up dirt about it, you know, and he's basically said he was never a He-Man fan back in the day. And you hear all these things, and it's like oh, everything kind of clicks together, and you're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense because he's basically just a shill. I mean, true to life, he really is at this point, and so it makes a lot of sense that they would hire him to do this, thinking that it was a good would be a good PR move and everything, and it turns out to not work. I think if a few episodes work, like you said, the first one definitely does. Parts of the last one do. Um, sequences here and there work. But for a show that only has five episodes, to, to have this be your story, if this was 15 oh, episodes or even 12, yeah, there's, there's then they'd be fine. Well, of course there's going to be more. I mean, they got they have to do that. They're invested in it now. They're going to do at least two seasons. No, but. I don't think this is the whole first season. Oh, well. Um, I could be mistaken, but I don't think I am. That would be a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, so there's, still, there's like... still five more episodes to go that have not been released yet. 
okay, well maybe they can course correct. So a that's what bit. that's what well that's what Kevin Smith's been saying. Wait till the next five episodes. So I, I like fair enough on that. You know, I'll, I'll watch them. But uh, at the same time, I don't have a lot of faith in this. I mean, it's like you wasted half the season doing this other nonsense. But like I said, I did like the drawing style, the animation, the color schemes. It felt very much of a piece from the, the toy line and the previous cartoons. That's that true. I and I with. guess they gave away the ending. They released the uh, As with everything, it's funny when this happens. They released the toys, of course, before the show. And so everyone knew... You know, the ending of the show. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> knew that you got Super Skeletor at the end, you know. Because uh, the cool. toy, voiced the by, toy is what came out. I think voiced by Tony Todd. He's got a voicing in there. Or he's Scare, Scarecrow or Scarecrow. No, Skeletor is Mark Hamill, yeah. Tony, Tony, Tony Todd's doing a voice know. in there somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, they had a lot of, of uh, a buttload of uh, people in here. Yeah, the lady who's doing Eva Lynn. I liked uh, her line. Yeah, Lynn Hetty. Yeah. Yeah, she was very, very good in that. Uh, Will cast with that raspy voice. But yeah, a missed opportunity here so far in the first half of the the season. I do look forward to the second half. I will watch it, but I'm sure uh, it's gonna have it's gonna need a lot to rectify what was going on in the first. But like you said, there were moments where they shit on certain characters that I felt like had established themselves. And um, well, I just don't I, understand I don't how you have that conversation where someone says He Man and Skeletor are not. You don't, you don't have to worry about them. Like, they're basically, their fighting isn't going to result in any deaths or anything. And then, Dude, of course, at the end of the fucking episode, the, the first and second episode is literally those two, like, have done all this shit. You know, <laughs> they've started all this. I just, oh. Did you get the, the condom joke where she says, no glove, no love? Uh, no, I mean, it probably wasn't. Look, for a lot of this, I tuned out. Um, it was on, and but it, I just thought this was especially in the the couple of those, like the third and the fourth episode are long winded, man. Ugh. Yeah. They don't go anywhere very much, but she, uh, the, this is Tila's, um, I, I presume her lover because that's what they, they kept, they looked at each other a couple of times. Like there was a certain nod. Did, did you pick that vibe up too? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and assume so. So her, her lover, um, was like the J muse of the fucking the still thing she would have these lines every once in a while mm-hmm. that felt very kevin smith-esque like oh this was his polish was to add a couple you know double entendres or mm-hmm. a fucking dirty joke here and there i mean i didn't i didn't know anybody. All, all i all i saw when i watched this was tila acting like a bitch the whole time like she didn't give a fuck about anybody she's like i don't want to do this shit fuck you and then her friend would be like but it'll be cool and she was like all right it's like okay, it's a good reason like to go on an adventure. <laughs> but that's that was what they did. That was literally the whole show. It was like fuck you guys. You guys lied to me about Adam being He Man. Fuck you. I can't even yeah, she look was at very you. Pouty about this is that. horrible. They, it was for her own good. She was so embarrassed by the high court when that happened. You know, oh, yeah. she was the only one. Well, she's all, she's seen Adam in, in heaven, returned from the grave. She's like fuck you. <laughs> Why Meanwhile, did you lie to me? <laughs> Like, her dad okay. has given his whole fucking life up for you know, right. to be for his liege, and now he can't even step foot in the goddamn attorney. It's fucking just, I mean, oh my god. Talk about just burning the whole fucking house down. I mean, jeez. Yeah, there was no shark to jump, but I'm sure they'll find one. I don't know. I don't know where it'll go, but it might be interesting, and hopefully it'll get better. Well, shit, man. So what's what's the count for tonight? So we got... Uh, we're, we're, I'm giving... No, I can't recommend Suicide Squad, and neither are you. 
We both are, are negative on Voyager. Neither of us recommend that. Uh, the Last Mercenary, I, I, I can't recommend that either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on Jolt, though, we did both like Jolt. Uh, we recommend that for some B-movie watch, fun. Yeah. Um, Tomorrow War, I think, yeah, is uh, fantastic. For sure. That's a definite recommend. I think it's one of the better movies I've seen this year and maybe the best movie ever released to the streaming services. Uh, and Space Jam, we both were negative on that. Continuing <laughs> HBO and Warner Brothers Negative, shit but it's the second slate. best movie released to streaming. And uh, you know what's um, yeah, what's unbelievable is that I would have paid to see most of these Warner Brothers movies in the theater and been oh, highly God, disappointed no all year. Yeah. That's what I keep oh. thinking about. I would have paid to see Without Remorse. If with, I had with, you seen, know. oh yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. There's some of these I would be even more down on movies had I seen a lot of these in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- there's a reason I didn't catch that Fast Nine. That includes that, that Paramount Plus release of that Mark Wahlberg movie. I gotta catch that. Whatever the hell that's called, Infinity, whatever. Oh. Infinite. Infinite. Fucking yep. terrible. I can't, I've heard that um, over and over. Oh, my God. There has been very little that's been released this year that has actually been worth seeing. And I think at some point they're going to have to address that they, they have a storytelling problem. Yeah, that's what's going on. I mean, if you look at the movies that are coming to HBO Max, and I get excited for every mm-hmm. single one of them. I mean, it started off really with the little things, and I was like, that's weird. And then um, I liked Godzilla Kong, and then Mortal Kombat was a huge letdown. Uh, and everything yeah. that followed has pretty much been a letdown. It's not a budget problem. It's not a technical problem as far as you know special effects or quality control for the you know the look of the movies or... Any of that kind of artistry, this technical artistry, it's spot on. It's it's a, it's a damn script writing problem. It reminds me of when we had that writer strike in two thousand and eight, and then all the movies in two thousand nine mm-hmm. were written like and a shit. You recall that? Well, yeah, but this is because we have such a producer heavy uh, system right now. Yeah, the Kevin Feige's um, of the world, and yeah, all and kind of stuff. Yeah. There has to be some kind of a. Control sharing with directors, I guess, to some degree. Well, there's you know? the showrunner, I mean, especially mentality. when it comes to Warner Brothers. Like Warner Brothers, um, especially this past decade, has been really bad about um, not allowing directors there to have their way with their own movies. <laughs> you know, which well, they notoriously. I mean, this, we've, this is why the oh, yeah, they're like, cut is still being talked Warner about. Brothers, the studio, forever. like you know, kicks in the door. They're like, I declare prima noctra, and they you know take away the the director's movies and fuck it. You know, he can't even. <laughs> he doesn't even get it on the wedding night. <laughs> well, I, I, we've heard this over and over and over again about you know movies being taken from people and the air cut. Now we might get, but at some point you just got to realize that these are movies that are done by committee and it's amazing that any of these fucking movies get made and pass through the system and that they're coherent at all because most of the time you have a director who is only working with the actors a second unit uh, action directors who are doing their own Mm -hmm. thing and the fact that this tonally even cuts together is fucking amazing half the time oh yeah we need stronger directors we need someone with a vision that can that can cut through all of this and i agree with you yeah um i mean you look at how marvel and Warner Brothers, any of these big studios shoot their movies now. And, um, you know, there's too much money being spent on the technical side of things that those people know what they're doing and they do not fuck with that. And so as a director, you don't get a lot of say in like a lot of the action sequences and a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, it's kind of choreographed out. Uh, 
maybe beyond you. And in that sense, they start to hire then directors who don't do that kind of stuff. They, as you say, they're mostly uh, working with the actors. They don't. They they basically hire directors that won't pay attention to that. They won't have to deal with that. It's well, that's weird. how you can get a, a Chloe Zhao. It's Zong, television uh, making. Though. That's how they make television shows. It's, the best it's so director awesome Oscar. She's well, she's doing a Marvel movie. This is why you can get people that have never done anything ever that outside of a low yeah. budget film to do a big budget Marvel movie. And because streaming's not there's helping. So many us. departments. Yeah, streaming's no, making this not. worse because everything is long form um, episodic oddities, weird stuff. Now you know, like I, um, can someone just make a movie? When's the last time someone just made a movie? Can I get a movie? Well, that's why I think I like Jolt a little bit more than probably was yeah. normal because it just felt like a ninety minute and to be, movie. And to be this fair, wasn't going to change the world. You know, the Tomorrow War, you know, is the one movie that escapes all this, but is still, you know, feeds into all of this. <laughs> it yeah, just it happens to have worked out. Yeah, the committee got one right, and you know, it passed through all these bakers' hands, and it's edible in the end it's kind of how it's amazing when that happens though but i mean look at how many misguided projects there are and most movies suck most movies don't work uh and it pains me to say that but if you if you watch them you know this you know it's being done by committee you can feel it you can feel when scenes don't gel right when you're utterly fucking confused and you've lost the plot you shouldn't be losing the plot in any movie oh, yeah well it feels like nobody i don't know there was a point in time when People uh, knew how to write screenplays. They paid attention to things. They talked about stuff. And then there was a point in time when, yeah, and this was about when I think you and me <clears throat> went to school, uh, went to film school, where people just wanted to make money off of teaching people how to make movies. And it was at that point in time that nobody gave a shit anymore. People were more What's interested the Robert in Robert McKee idea. You know, the uh, there was just no craft and- anymore because the craft was talking about the craft. I was like, well, who's actually making this? Like, who's paying attention? Who's actually learning this stuff and then applying it to something? Well, nobody. Nobody. Because it was the, all the producers slowly started getting power. They didn't give a shit about any of this. They used to. You know, but you'd have to go back to the 90s and the early 2000s to find a time, a point in time when they did actually care. They don't care anymore. It's crazy. Well, and you can't have the strong opinion either unless you're a Tarantino or right. um, somebody who's very established because now the, the cancel culture and whatnot. So you have to toe the line as a producer well, as look well. look at Feige because, now. I mean, he's got their Marvel is painting themselves into a corner here. I don't know where the hell they're going to go after this, but I think they've exploited the strongest stories that they had available to them, um, basically handed on a golden planner to them. You know, um, now they're going to have to actually work for it. And I don't, I'm not sure they can actually do it. Meanwhile, Jerry Bruckheimer still producing hits in his 70s. Unfucking believable. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's going to wrap up tonight's show. We want to thank you guys for joining us on episode 373. It's hard to think we've done that many, but you can find all of our back episodes on moviemavericks.com, uh, on Apple, Spotify, we're on there, um, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you may listen to this, rate, review, like the show, give it a a star rating, whatever, help the algorithm out, and uh, let's get the word out and get more people listening to the show. We want to thank you guys always for joining us. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!